Hey everybody, welcome to Linux Cast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Josh. And I'm, I don't know who I am, I just landed. Hey. You're the tired. That was the worst intro Steve-o. ever. Josh forgot that he was going second because he's not used to it because I changed the order. Steve forgot his name and Tyler's just there waiting for somebody to please say their name. <laughs> All right. I this- just landed this morning, so uh, I'm just uh, jet lagged. It's you, fine. You didn't even go that fine. many uh, time zones, did you? It was like what one time zone over? Yeah, yeah, one time, one time zone over. But uh, you went to uh, Australia or something? No, but walking and uh, uh, not realizing that we were one hour behind over there. Time zone. That's suck. why. That, that's anyway, why when you uh, last <laughs> week when you uh, when I was supposed to be on the podcast, as I promised. I was in the middle. Uh, I was walking down the street back to my Airbnb. I was like, "Shit, I, I had to be on the podcast." What? Run! Uh, not gonna run. You didn't make it. That's uh, okay. We had a good time talking about AI. Anyway, so this is the Linux Cast. Uh, despite the horrible beginning, uh, you guys should really be used to these really bad beginnings. We never get off to a good a good start. But that's they're okay. fun. They're fun. If you guys were tuning into this podcast for us to be professional and prepared. Man, did you choose the wrong podcast, uh, especially today. We spent the first part of the talking about definitely not wearing pants. So, uh, <laughs> um, you definitely do, don't want... It's just been a really, really long day because we had There's to watch somebody get a This camera hat. angle is blurred out. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, this is the Linux cast. We talk about Linuxy things. And last week we did a, a wonderful podcast on artificial intelligence. Uh, where we argued constantly for two hours. If you haven't listened to that or watched it yet, go back and do so because it was it was very very good. So we have decided that every fourth episode we're going to be doing one of those topic based episodes instead of doing the news on that episode. So we'll be doing uh, uh, we'll be rotating who gets to choose the topic. So it should be fun. Um, we all, we've also decided that we're going to do a, a challenge again. Tyler has been thinking hard. I'm very sure about the challenge that we're going to be doing. Uh, and he'll let us know that uh, probably when he actually thinks about it for the first time. <laughs> Given no, the... I've thought about it, okay. but good good ideas with our little um... good ideas take a while to ta- uh, to, 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 to shape. It's it's ruminating. It's it's all right if he doesn't come up with a challenge. I've got a challenge for you guys too. <laughs> We're no. not installing Linux from scratch or Gen no, it's two. not Linux from scratch. It, it's worse. <laughs> it's, it's worse. Gen two from scratch. <laughs> It's called if you do one thing wrong, the whole system blows up on you. Uh, suicide Ooh. Linux. Ugh. Yep. Uh, not doing suicide Linux. Uh, <laughs> anyways, we have a challenge that'll be coming up probably in a couple months. So we're we're gonna be doing some new things a little bit. But anyways, no, today we're returning back to normal. We're gonna do some news. Uh, we got some good topics. We got some topics that I'm gonna sleep through. Um, I'm not gonna mention who's probably mine. Um, but. We have some topics, but first, as we always do, we're going to start out with what we've been doing this week in Linux and open source. So, Steve, uh, I know you've been a- away. Have you uh, managed to accomplish anything with your Linux this week? Yeah, I was battling Linux to, uh, to remember how to do things because after uh, three four days of not doing anything, I was like, uh, I, oh, I received a lot of notifications about uh, AUR packages being updated that I host on my repos. I need to build those packages. I turned on my MacBook because it's a VM on my MacBook. That's all I took with me to on the trip. How do you build packages already? 
oh, that's how you do it. So I had to remember a few things. I got disconnected completely. And then I didn't do anything in Linux when I reached, uh, when I landed this morning at 2 a.m. I needed to do a few things because I couldn't sleep. So uh, I was like, how do I build my ISO again? So I really, it's fine. Just it's fine. It, to, put it, to put it in simple words, when, when you stay away from Linux too long, uh, especially uh, when you're used to doing things at a certain, in a certain way, you you forget everything. Uh, it's it's so weird, uh, but didn't do much other than building packages and uh, ho uh, and pushing them to my repos because I was I was supposed to be at my sister's wedding, not doing Linux stuff. <laughs> so you're so, you're yeah. not the type of nerd who brings your laptop to the wedding so you can sit in the back row doing things instead of paying no. attention. Yeah, I just took my my phone to shoot the wedding to to shoot a wedding video. That's it. Yeah, I definitely would have taken the laptop. I wouldn't went to the wedding in the first place, but <laughs> that's, uh, that's well, I, 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 I wanted to. I wanted to, but right the here. wedding was in church. I couldn't take my laptop to church. <laughs> like they ain't they ain't stopping me. I'd I'd cry. You know, that's my comfort animal. <laughs> I understand because it is for me as well. But uh, I I follow the rules. <laughs> <laughs> rules rules. All right, uh, Josh, what have you been doing? Uh, I've been wor slowly working on getting banned from yet another subreddit, this time slash r slash Fedora, uh, because uh, Fedora pushed out a kernel update, or a, a Mesa update, uh, last weekend, which, of course, uh, mean means that everybody that was using the Mesa Free World driver uh, had to deal with a package conflict between Mesa and Mesa Free World. Uh, for those that don't know what, what Mesa is, Mesa is basically just a library front end for, for your uh, GPU's hardware driver. And uh, specifically, this this stems all the way back to the H.264 codec, which uh, Fedora removed for legal reasons. So as a result, the RPM Fusion guys, uh, they built a package called Mesa Free World, which, you know, re-enables the H.264 and H.265 codecs. Well, uh, the, the big problem is that whenever Fedora pushes an update, uh, Fedora only supports Fedora, not RPM Fusion, even though there's some Fedora's that maintainers that work off of RPM Fusion. The, the, the big difference is that where Fedora uh, triggers all of, their, all of their package updates off of their source build tool, RPM Fusion is actually behind Fedora. They, they're not kept up in parity because RPM Fusion, Fusion only triggers their package builds after Fedora publishes their builds. So as a result, uh, the the Mesa Free World package on RPM Fusion was not actually updated to be in uh, version number parity with Mesa, uh, which caused DNF, the package manager, to do the thing responsibly, go like, hey, I'm not going to update this package because you have this package installed. But to to pull this update in, you can totally run this command here and, you know, replace that, replace that package that I don't know anything about with this package that I want to install, which is causing everybody on... Uh, slash r slash fedora to go and say hey mesa free world is broke and i'm sitting here typing in and everybody this only affects you if you're using an amd gpu specifically amd gpu and if you actually do anything with the actual encoder because in your web browser guess what's not actually being used okay. <laughs> true so there's a very small percentage of people that actually need the mesa free world codec and i have to keep explaining that to these people because uh, this guy goes, I need it for my Steam games. There's no games on Steam 
that 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 need that because it rasterizes uh, most most videos. DXV uh, DXVK the the, Vul- the Vulcan protocol that that uh, we use to translate from uh, Direct 3D rastrizes all the videos that play back to you. So there is that, no need for the codec. Really, if we're being not. honest, most people are just upset about a package conflict that shouldn't be there. Like, I mean, it's a package conflict that is there for a good reason. It's just well, that it's yeah, stupid yeah. how RPM Fusion actually builds their packages, but at the same time, it's kind of understandable. Yeah, yeah, well, and, I mean, and games and games also use the pink whatever uh, thingy to 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 play the uh, FMVs in the games. So it's its own thing. Yeah. Uh, that that said, the main reason why I'm saying that your web browser is probably not using it is because by default, uh, most web browsers don't don't support it because video conferencing software like uh, say Zoom, uh, even even Jitsi in this case, don't actually uh, actually hard hard force the browser to default to software encoding, whereas uh, services like YouTube might actually use the hardware hardware decoding. So. Uh, there's a guy in chat right now. I finally learned his name is actually Alex. <laughs> uh, that that's how you pronounce it. It's Alex. Uh, but he says that he's using hardware decoding to watch the stream right now, which is perfectly understandable. But if you're using Chromium, you're using software encoding because Chromium, har- Chromium, and a WebKit or like those Blink-based browsers don't support hardware decoding. So yeah, what you're saying is that you've been spending your time in on a Reddit sub on a subreddit. Trying to get banned. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much. Su- surprised that you haven't been banned already. I'm just a little bit of a shock there that you hadn't. I mean, haven't already crossed that one off your burned bridges list. <laughs> How do you still have a Reddit account? <laughs> I don't know any better. <laughs> I might. I might say that he's losing his touch. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Speaking of bridges, I, I mean, I if you want to talk, if you want to talk about a discussion forum, I did get banned from. <laughs> <laughs> of course there's got to be one yeah there, there's at least one a week now <laughs> Lord. all right tyler what what have you been doing this week uh well um so for the past for the past week been working a lot with everyone over on my channel um ironing out ideas and um writing a game document uh for uh the game that we're making um, the whole idea. Cause I know some people will get confused. I've got another uh, devlog that's going to be like the actual, like part one with a lot of substance in it. Um, that one's going to come out here soon and I'll explain it, but um, we're using unity and um, uh, well, I mean, unity uses C sharp, but we're using unity and a whole bunch of like pre-built or not pre-built, but uh, pre-done assets that I've purchased over the past few years. I've got literally hundreds of dollars uh, worth of assets all in the same style. Uh, so we're going to use all of those to build out a really good first-person uh, survival game. Um, and yeah, if you want to learn more, we've got a game document and we're working on it and everything over on the channel. I'll probably probably be live streaming later on today. Maybe not. I might just work off camera. Uh, for some reason, but probably will stream. But yeah, um, the whole goal is to take this game, make it uh, because we're using like assets that I've bought before. Like and it, this one is not going to be open source, but the whole idea is to get a very polished 
uh, gameplay loop, uh, very polished uh, gunplay and base building, um, and really iron out the solo experience. And then hopefully, if this game sells well and everything, I'll be able to afford uh, to hire uh, or contract out uh, 3D 3D artists to model us um, a whole bunch of newer assets um, for us and in a little bit of a higher detail style and um, yeah, uh, hopefully make a new version uh, multiplayer in a different engine uh, that is open source, but really want to iron out and get everything working right and leverage the assets that I have. Look at you doing big boy things. Trying, trying. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see how it goes but uh, uh, so far it's going really I'll be well. the first to test it I'll be the first to test it word I, I would You're die within two seconds part. of actually playing it I'm horrible at f- first person shooters um, I like really I'm astonishingly bad well it will be a more arcadey style um, we still haven't implemented uh, the actual like uh, gun like bullet uh, physics and everything so we're not not exactly sure how we're going to do that. We might do a raycast system where you just fire a straight line out um, from um, from the gun itself the mu- or the camera. The muscle, you can do it either way. Um, fire a straight line out um, to a certain distance or whatever. Or we could actually spawn in like an actual bullet object and send it using physics, but that can be a little accurate, like inaccurate at higher speeds and. Uh, that one, like it also has bullet drop, like it's more realistic and stuff, but it's harder to implement. And also I don't know that everyone who's going to play the game wants like a PUBG realistic bullet physics in the game. PUBG realistic. Did you put PUBG and realistic in the same sentence? Well, it's a cartoony their, bullet game. Physics, their bullet drop is pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, I mean, okay. I'll admit you that I've never played, played PUBG in my life, so. Me, same here. It's pretty decent. I just watch people play it. I am so. such a horrible gamer. City Skylines and Hearthstone, man. That's literally all I play. All right. So, for me personally, I trolled everybody by installing Windows this week um, and then posted it everywhere. And <laughs> just, hey, look at hey, that picture. I saw that picture and I was really taken aback and I was uh, trying to read who posted it. So, is it really the Linux cast who posted yeah, it? I I did it for a reason. I'm gonna. I'm. I've got some applications that I need to test that are only available on Windows. So I s- spun up a VM. I did not install it on hardware. Also, installing Windows still just as of a shit experience as it has been for yep. the last thirty years. This is so bad. Like, come I think on. It's actually gotten worse. Hey, I was. I was actually gonna say that. I was. I was gonna be. I'm so, surprised you so didn't say it. You guys know that uh, the beginning screen. You you get into the ISO and it has that beginning screen where it says install Windows, right? That yep. one window has elements from every single version of Windows that has ever existed. You know, it has like the Windows 95 scroll bar. It has the arrow. Uh, title bar at the top from Windows 7 or from Windows Vista and it's <laughs> like every single part of that has a, a like I they almost have certainly had to do that on purpose like there's no way they did that on accident um, you don't just stum- no, they're doing it on purpose because they want to tell you that this is a culmination of all these words. no I mean they are honest, doing it for I, a I, st- I still honestly believe that Aeroglass was the best Windows theme 
Eh, it was all right. It was pretty, but, but if you ever if you ever played if you ever used Vista when it first came out, man, was that. I'm talking about Arrow Glass. That's Windows Seven. Uh, oh, you talking about the? I thought yeah. Air, Arrow is is Vista. Arrow Glass is Seven. I I personally do like the new look of Windows Eleven without all of the like extra like bullshit. Like if they had kept the exact same style as Windows Seven, like layout and everything, with just the curved rounded corners and like. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like it more, but that's, I've always been a rounded borders guy, but let's be honest. Uh, when it, no matter what, when it comes to Linux or Linux, uh, windows, the whole reason they don't like have the actual installer looking cohesive. It's the same reason why the actual like OS has two fucking control centers which will never make sense to me, but it's just out of sheer laziness. Like you got to go in and like, you got to, you got to go in and like delete code. Well, the the most, the most trippy thing is if, is if you've used windows for a long time and you know, to go into some of like the the device manager or something like that, or the, you know, some of that stuff is literally from like uh, windows 98. And when you get into windows 11, it all of a sudden has rounded corners. (laughs) Like like, those two (laughs) things just do not go together. Yeah, and and also like they they don't match the system theme at all anymore. Like it is like it in like the Windows 10 days. Like I mean, it didn't match and it looked outdated. But it was it wasn't as glaringly obvious. Now it is like oh my gosh, dude! If you have a dark theme on and you open up any of those programs, you're like, what the hell are you doing, Microsoft? Like what's what's happening? Yeah, and, and oh yeah, in a context menu being triggered by other context menus. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> well, they got like the old context menu. Order. Yeah, all right. So, anyways, I installed Windows in a VM, uh, and found out that Windows runs like garbage in a VM unless you go through like a ton of steps in order to get to actually work. Um, but once you turn off animations, you can actually skip a lot of the other stuff because it actually does start actually functioning. But if it decides it's going to start searching the file system. It doesn't matter how much memory you give that thing. It's going to take every bit of it you give it. Mm-hmm. Um, God, Windows is horrible. Anyways, that's basically what I've been doing. Uh, I did. I th- think since last week I did end up reinstalling Arch Linux because I messed up again. Uh, but I'm back on it now. I got everything back set up, and it works just fine. Um, and then I've been spending and, most of my... And your experience with Endeavor OS. I followed. I read, I read your uh, rantitudes. I still have been, I still have Endeavor in a VM. I'm actually using it right now to to do all my stuff. I decided just to do that instead of I I will I will yeah, give but... I I will give Endeavor OS this. They do a, a very pretty XFCE. Even though I went and cha- I changed every single thing that they did, so I guess it doesn't really matter. All right, let's go. Yeah, out the box experience, but that I saw your like I'm I'm not oh. using Solus, man. <laughs> not a good distro. Um. And I, I can't really judge that because I haven't used it in ages. But when I used it last, it was not a good distro. Um, and, and they just changed it too much, man. I, we, we've had this argument. It doesn't matter. All right. Let's go ahead and jump on into the news. Um, I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> I just completely had a stroke. It's okay. A glitch. There was a glitch somewhere. <laughs> uh, Tyler, why don't you give us your first news item of the week? Uh, my first one is our phone it's a fully open source smartphone based on Linux. So uh, we have probably the greatest invention here. 
what it is is what looks to be um, plyboard or cardboard. It's MDF. So yeah. plyboard. Yeah. Um, so uh, we've got a plyboard shell with one of those cheap ass touch like Raspberry Pi touch screens, uh, a Raspberry Pi in it, and a 4G mo- uh, modem. So, um, yeah, it's a phone. Definitely not waterproof. Like, <laughs> oh my god! No, oh. uh, that is definitely the most world's most pocketable phone. Well, I, like, it almost is certainly smaller than it looks like in the picture, don't you? It almost has to be, right? Yeah. Yes. The, to, to be honest, this probably is decently pocketable, but if we're being honest, uh, there is no way that this thing is going to do well with pocket lint. Like, or you're and- going to have to be fully <laughs> disassembling this thing and cleaning it like a mofo. Canned air every single day. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, like, look, if if you wanted to do something super custom, and you you're on a budget and you want something that like can function as a phone like this would definitely work and this is a cool project to do however um this thing is gonna be slow as shit oh my god look at the internals (laughs) yep that's it that's that's some really good cable management there bro (laughs) this is only cheaper if you already have a Raspberry Pi. Uh, if you don't have the Raspberry Pi needed for this, it's cheaper just to buy a Pine phone. <laughs> Wait. And you, how, and you get yes, arguably how, a better product. Price hikes, yeah. So, so do, does this... So there's like going to be a, like a, a... Like a... An external like antenna modem or whatever for getting cellular connection and stuff like that? Wouldn't that be like... Or it's in the phone. Yeah, it, it's, part of, it's part of the uh, 4G hat that they're using. I'm just looking at the internals, man. I'm just completely yeah. shocked by that. Yep. Yeah. Well, and the little green it, it, it board has... that's direct. So the little green board directly to the left of the Raspberry Pi, uh, like with it all taken apart, um, that that little green board there is the 4G modem, um, or 4G hat, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I mean, it also, I mean, like, look, it does have a camera, like it's. It is a phone for like for all intents and purposes. It was built to be feature complete for 2010. Yeah. Doesn't the Raspberry Pi get like super hot? uh, I think you use a Pi 3 in this, not a Pi 4. Oh, okay. Well, even the Pi 4 doesn't get super hot. I mean, yes, it does get hot, but really, in all honesty, as long as you're not like. As long as you're not trying to play a YouTube video on it. As long as you uh, don't have the screen on, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's not even that. Like, the, as somebody that actually has a Raspberry Pi 4, uh, you actually don't need a fan for the Raspberry Pi 4. The only time you actually need a fan is if you're actually going to be, like, y- using using, it. using the device for, like, heavy CPU tasks. Okay. That's you the can only also, time. I mean, also, like, you can, for literally, like, 10 or $12, you can get a little CPU, like, heat sink block with a mm. tiny, like, 10 or 20 millimeter fan on it. Like, it's fine. Would it or fit something. in the case, though? Like, no, uh, in that case, probably, actually. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Is that a fan at the top, or is that a speaker? Oh, it's a speaker. I was going to say. Speaker. I thought, maybe, I was like, maybe there is already is a f- 
but you also got to realize that speaker, uh, as far as I can tell, it goes on the side. Of the <laughs> so, so you're I mean, holding it up like one of the old phones that are that yeah. <laughs> it's like the like, Motorola brick. Yeah, yeah. Like this is a chonky. This is a chonky phone. Like, again, it. This is a really cool project phone. The only thing that worries me about it is someone is probably going to see this project and go, that is perfect, and just start buying parts and then build it and realize that there's not much they can do with it because it's a Raspberry Pi. Also, you can't carry it with you. I mean, there's absolutely no way you could take this out uh, and have rain be a potential, you know? (laughs) Have it up mm-hmm. to your cow, oh. your head when it's raining outside. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Like the, now the we case would basically just melt in your hands if that happened. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, also, oh, no. you imagine taking a phone call out in the rain with this thing. The oh, the boards start getting soggy. Yeah, <laughs> that and I mean, I mean, seriously, because it's so big, it's going to be unwieldy to hold up to your head. So if you, yeah. and, it's a and, tablet. And, it's a top. It's a you, tablet on if, your head. No, 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 man. You'd be better off holding a tablet. This thing's also also thick, so it's not just big; it's also thick. True. So if you, if I mean, it had to be really well put together because if you drop that thing, it's just going to come apart in little bitty pieces. Oh, also, I didn't even think about this. You you could totally convince someone that you're like a time travel like time traveler if you if you took this phone out with like stop taking a call and put it down like like brought it down and then asked someone what year it was like oh i'm done i'm convinced you're from the future like someone using a ply board phone like, well, and they probably would think that's the time machine <laughs> that's definitely the time machine <laughs> that's, and that's the time machine to the to, to the past of cell phones well, the one bright side is that the Today I learned that they make 4G LTE hats for the Pi. Yeah, I didn't know that either. It's is it, did it, could, I wonder how much just if you wanted to buy one of those things, how much it would cost? I have a, I have a Raspberry Pi four. I mean, the, the, I, I think they're in the range of like sixty to eighty bucks. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure. So, so um, the the 4G modem would cost more than the Pi if the Pi weren't being scalped by for. Assigned yeah. lots of money. Yeah, yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, it is uh, 82 pounds for the 4G hat. Yeah. I found that off of uh, the Pi Hut, which is a UK it, store. It would still uh, be pretty cool. Like, let's say you wanted to have, like, a weather station or something like that, like, a mile away from your house. You couldn't yeah. pick up Wi-Fi, but you could have, like, a weather station there, and you could do it that way. That'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah. I mean, there'd, there'd be definitely be some and, uses and, and, for that. Uh, and if, if, uh, if you add a 4G hat, for example, and you want to set up a, a, let's say, a balcony computer, a, a small balcony computer, when it's not raining. I'm, I mean, the, pro- the you, problem with you, setting up any Raspberry Pi as a computer or a phone is it literally doesn't even have the horsepower to play a 720p video. Well, that's why they're well, good. They're 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 yeah, good because, for because they don't have a hardware acceleration. Yeah, uh, the, the Pi actually does have a hardware hardware acceleration and it can play back 720p. Mesa, it, the, it, it it's just that it can't do Mesa. 720p 60 fps. It can do 30 fps. Well, but like that—that's my point. Like, well, like I mean, as soon as you start, as soon as like, and also if you take it up to 1080p 30, 
it struggled. Like, I mean, technically speaking, on paper, yeah, and even then, that's just YouTube. If it's local media playback, it can it can do 1080p on it. There, there are there are yeah. many boards that surpass that that Raspberry Pi. That Raspberry Pi, uh, Raspberry Pi now is of the past, uh, unless you want to do the small kind yeah. of things. Now, more powerful boards exist, not for the same price, but with the way it's being scalped today, uh, you can f- find cheaper. Today you can find cheaper boards that have more powerful hardware, but you yeah. might not be able to find one with the same level of software, software support. support. And that's yeah. a big software deal with Raspberry That's the biggest problem, yeah. yeah. Well, but with the Orange Pi, Orange Pi is almost as popular as Well, uh, the, the, the only reason we, the Orange Pi is very popular is because it's it's literally a board knockoff. Like, it's yeah. pretty much one-to-one compatibility. So... Uh, yeah, exactly. quite the, because the orange pie doesn't support PoE, which well, is one thing that I'm really looking for. My yeah. my point was is that the the reason why the Raspberry Pi has always been good wasn't because it was going to come in and replace your desktop computer, because it was really good at doing single use things like a weather station yeah. or a, or a, a, a retro port. gaming. Again, like in like to bring it back to this article, in this use case, it doesn't make sense because sure, local media playback, it, it's going to be fine. Um, for pretty much you know any reasonable quality, especially on the screen that you're going to be playing the media on, it's going to be fine. Well, it's but, not. It's not even that. It's yeah. the battery life. Well, it that, that's the real. This would have made uh, a lot more sense if it was a dumb phone instead of trying to be a smartphone. If they just made it just a phone, just like it, all it did was make phone calls, and they had like a yeah, uh, we, like a, we a already clock. have Linux-based smartphones that are fully open source, so uh, yeah. display or something like that, just so you could you know see the numbers or whatever, and that's all it did. First of all, it wouldn't have to be as thick. Second of all, it, you know, it wouldn't have to be, uh, you know, it, it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as cool, don't get me wrong. It no, 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 cool. no, wait, 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 wait. This is using a Raspberry Pi uh, 4? It's it's using a Pi 3. 3, 3, Pi 3. Uh, Pi 3, okay. Probably so, couldn't uh, get a 4. It's using a <laughs> Pi 3. Uh, why not use, uh, the Pi 3 has a, a version that is just a slim thing. Uh, the Pika? You'd have even less horsepower than yeah. Yeah, and and also again, uh, would a Pico I, I run no it on screens? What? I don't know. Can can you can a Pico yeah. even run a display? Yes. The well, I, I know the the Pi. I believe the Pi Zero Three. I, I don't know if they have a new version of the Pi Zero, but I'm pretty sure the, the Zero Two W. Yeah. This Pi Three Zero, the W version. I'm pretty sure the last time I looked at it, it had a. I think it's like a micro HDMI port or like mm. whatever. Like you know, mini HDMI micro. Like yeah, what? the 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 Pi uh, Pi Zero Two W. It's also it's also possible that the Pico doesn't run well with the four G hat. You know, it's yeah, that's true. That's so, true. That yeah. it could be. It um, could be. It. I'm, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some level of processing that's kind of required for that. And those Pi Zeros have. I mean, they well, are just. Then yeah. if, you, if you go back, uh, yeah, up, the Pi Zero does support HDMI. If you go, if you go back to the this uh, the, the exploded view here, all the stuff that they're plugging into that thing probably wouldn't have all fit into a, a uh, Pico. That, that is also true. I don't think yeah. it has the camera board and everything like that. But again, <laughs> I can't believe they even included the camera. <laughs> but the, I, I think the important thing to remember about this design and why all of the other Linux phones that are on the market are t- pretty much worthless compared to this is they're all made out of garbage materials that try to protect the inside of the components 
this thing is made out of plyboard. Like, if you break it, who cares? You can just well, build another one in well, five minutes. No, because if you if you break this thing, something inside is going to get broken too. I mean, because there, there's no padding for any of that stuff. It's going to get knocked into each other. And, and <laughs> it's fine. The only thing that's not replaceable is the Raspberry Pi itself because you can't buy them. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, so here's the here here here's because they don't really show the ends. <coughs> Excuse me. Do they leave? Well, the, the article uh, does link to uh, the to uh, the guy that created its write up, as which he links to a GitHub that has a listing of all the parts. Do they leave the I/O exposed so you can have like a USB-A port on the end of your nope. phone? No, no, that would awesome. <laughs> just plug in like a printer or something. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. Would be pretty cool just to have open <laughs> USB ports on your phone. <laughs> like, and then if you wanted to hook up to a display because the well, they probably use the well, no, because they'd be using. Is there an internal uh, display? Is that how they're hooking up to the displays? If they is were using internal, a Raspberry right? Pi four, there would be two display port or two display outputs, so they <laughs> could use one for the. In, well, the internal screen is actually hooked up on the board, so that HDMI port is free. So yeah, it, it's a, it's stuff. using the in, it's using the embedded display port header for the touch screen. Yeah, so, so you could so you, just plug you could in, put this plug on your thing, and use this as a regular pie up cooked to a monitor as well. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's not a, only that. If it, it, on, on on the page where uh, on on his write up, uh, he he has more pictures, and I'm looking at one. the The volume is a volume knob. <laughs> oh, it's an actual <laughs> knob. All right, that's, a, I, that's it's a, an actual uh, knob. So, so first of all, I I know we're taking the Mickey out of this in in some place, but this should be. A, you can just see like a kid in like high school or something like that with with a science fair thing doing this. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah, he'd win. If I had this, if I had this in like middle school to like early high school, oh, this shit would have been dope. He's getting like, all uh, the girls, by the way. <laughs> uh, dude, no, like, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't have seen a girl for like ever holding one. Dude, could you imagine trying to pick up a girl with this thing? <laughs> Hold on, babe. Can number? I get your number? Dude, you also got to think about this. It, the, the touch screen, it, like, there is 99% chance it's a resistive touch screen. <laughs> so you got to press really hard. Uh, so you got to whip out your phone type in her phone number. Give me a second <laughs> here. See if I can find the screen. God, do you remember the resistive touch screens on, like, the PDAs and stuff that you. <laughs> oh man! I, oh my God! Every time you press with a with a stylus, it created this rainbow effect that yeah, spun upwards. Dude, oh, I, I actually have a a twelve uh, inch touchscreen that was a resist resistive touchscreen, and I actually used to use it as like a dedicated Google Calendar. <laughs> oh, that thing cool. was so bad. I have a Dell PDA running around here somewhere that had a resistive touchscreen. It had the best game I've ever played on it. It's just, it was back when it was like that ball popping game, but it was one of the best ones ever. It was great. Um, <laughs> what, what oh, a, it has a stylus. It has a stylus lock. Lock. Uh, power switch. I can't, oh my god, the power switches. When I saw this story that Tyler put in here, I was like, you know, we're going to spend like three and a half minutes on this thing. <laughs> we just nerded out for like 20 minutes on this. It's awesome. It's very The great. wonderful thing is, the wonderful thing is, because uh, this uh, this case is made out of MDF, which it, which does have a consistency of cardboard and paper in it, that means that uh, you can use a standard pencil to write down your phone number. That way you remember. Oh my that is actually really cool. 
<laughs> that is actually really cool. Like, you don't need... You just write the phone numbers of the people you want to call around the phone. Yep. That's actually... There, there's, no need, there's no need for a contacts application because the case itself is the contact list. <laughs> It would be cool to see like a version two of this that wasn't MDF, but instead was made out of three D printed three D printed plastic, because um, then it would be a little bit more sturdy. Um, it'd still be just as big. You're not gonna make this thing smaller. Yeah, it, it, it's fine. Yeah, though. because it's I, a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, it's not, yeah. Like, unless you could find a way to use a Pico. I, I do vote that we move on before we continue joking about this for the next hour. <laughs> we could, yeah. definitely. All right. Uh, Josh, why don't you take us to the, the, the next one? All right. All right. I, I imagine that this is going to trigger somebody. But uh, there is a proposal out there for the Fedora KDE spin of uh, Fedora, obviously, to drop X11 support entirely and uh, just go Wayland only. Uh, this was just yep. posted. This was just posted two days ago by Neil Gampa, the the KDE maintainer for Fedora, and uh, he he posted a merge request upstream in in Plasma to set Wayland to be the default session for SDDM. It's coming, guys. Eh, the biggest hurdle for this is actually SDDM. By the way, well, SDDM not, not actually, not actually, not actually. I tried SDDM dash git. Like yeah. Josh recommended be before I traveled, it didn't even work. I was still not able to log in into Wayland. So I was like, screw that. But yeah, like I said, SDDM is the biggest hurdle because SDDM is garbage. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't work on well, half so the time. It, it so it's like DM. Well, so it's like DM. That's it true. works for uh, 50%, uh, 30% of the people, then 70% it doesn't work. If, well. if you, it's fine. It's Fedora. Fedora will make it work and then make everybody else jealous that Fedora has it working, but nobody else does. Nobody else can. That does. Can. <laughs> um, Why can't I log in to Wayland on GNOME using because, GDM and I cannot log in with anything else? SDDM in traditional KDE fashion tries to do both Wayland yeah. and Xorg at the same time, whereas GDM sets now, the Wayland I, by default. I do and know. To change it. I do know that if you log into uh, if if you're using the Fedora KDE spin and you log into uh, Plasma using Wayland, uh, there is no X11 fallback. So it, in it right now. So if you want to use a Wayland only session, you can't. You can do that with uh, Fedora KDE, and uh, that's just because uh, the the uh, maintainer for it has worked r diligently hard on the Wayland support for for Fedora. So. Uh, Props to Neil if like this actually happens and it actually works. Because I mean, he, I do have he, to be honest; they have really has, good arguments. Yeah, he has slaved way hard to get to get KDE ported to Wayland. I mean, they well, pretty much, from what I can tell, they've got all the major pieces there. I mean, the only reason that this would be bad news for somebody is if you use Fedora KDE and a piece of software that you use literally cannot run on Wayland and for some reason X Wayland is yep. not an option for you. And 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 like uh, Matt here, uh you can't get uh, can't get Wayland recording hates. to work. Wayland hates me. Yeah. No 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 see the no the thing it about, hates me too. It hates both of us. Screen recording works fine in like GNOME and probably would work fine in KDE. It's when I try to go out branch out into a window manager. 
that I can't get it to work. And that's just because oh. the portals things... Okay, so let, let me just get into that. So I tried Hyperland. I installed Hyperland on... Uh, I think I was still on my first install of Arch after I left Redcore. I installed Hyperland, got Hyperland up and running, figured it out, um, and you know was having a good time. But then I installed the Flatpak version of OBS because I always install the Flatpak because it's the official version. Um, and I, I'm all about rules. So I installed the, but the the, the the problem that I was having, according to the Hyperland guys, is because because of the containerized nature of the flat pack, that was what was pre preventing me from getting the um, screen recording to work. I never actually went back and wait, tried wait, it wait, again. Wait, 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 so. wait, 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 wait. What you're saying is, if you're using, if someone is using Hyperland or a Wayland-based thing, they should stay away from containerized. Flatbacks of OBS. If if, if oh, OBS, you're using yeah. the container to record your screen, yes, because to record the screen, the program needs to be able to interact with the Paul with the system Paul kit uh, to get uh, authentication. Because uh, what should happen is when you go to record a screen, you on Wayland you should get a pop up that asks you which screen you want to record, and which uh, I did get you, by the way. It, that came up. The button just didn't work to select the screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, they didn't. Okay. Yet. What What the issue is that the is that the desktop portal is just not able to pass the permission to record the screen to the flat pack because of the containerization of the flat pack. Yeah. Um. So they didn't figure that out yet. Well, no, it's not something that they can figure out. Like, well, I'm wondering if you just went through and flipped on every single permission in Flat Seal for OBS, if that would solve the problem. Yeah, it, it wouldn't. It's 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 a direct conflict of it being a container. Because there's a, there's a Paul kit there's a there's a Paul kit permission inside of Flat Seal. Well, it's yeah. again, it's the it's the actual portal not being able to translate between the two. It like permissions. Yeah, that's something that somebody's. I don't care if it's OBS or or whoever. That's definitely going to have to be something that's going to be fixed because that's a big deal. Yeah, they need to. They need, uh -huh. they need to fix that because uh, uh, at some point, uh, Wayland is going to become the default uh, thing. And uh, if if flatpacks uh, they cannot obviously get have the, fixed it because the flatpack works fine in Wayland GNOME. Works fine in Wayland KDE. Yeah, it, it's just an issue with the WL roots Im implementation, which yeah. is hopefully so, so that they are working on. That's those. what that's what um, the Hyperland custom uh, desktop portal is built off of. So yeah. it's not going to work. And the thing is, is like WL roots could change and it fix it, but most likely it's probably going to be something that's implemented by uh, Vaxery, like most likely. But, most likely, yeah. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say that. But also, the if we're being completely honest, I I have seen some pretty convincing arguments that it's not really a job of the actual desktop portal to to fix this. It should be on Flatpak and the way it like flat seal and it functions with also, the system. Also, OBS needs to do a better job of supporting Wayland out of the box. I mean. There ha you can't, especially in certain 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 situations where, uh, you have to set that stupid environment variable if you're switching back and forth, right? You know what I mean? You have to set the environment variable to tell it to use Wayland. Mm. That shouldn't be a thing, right? It should just be able to recognize, hey, I'm using Wayland now. Let's 
do the way it's also thing. depending it's also dependent on how the distro package maintainers are actually implementing their their ver specific version of wayland because when you install install uh well not wayland but obs but uh when you install obs studio you're not installing unless you're compiling it for source you're technically installing a fork of obs so uh it's literally dependent on the package maintainer at that point well that's why you always use the flat pack because that comes directly from obs that, that's their official package, the one that they maintain. Yeah, then you shouldn't need to pass a flag to it. I don't know why you pass, why you have to. It just doesn't work. I don't know. It's really stupid. Um. Anyways, uh, let's bypass my woes with Wayland because obviously it's not a Wayland problem. It's a Matt problem. Um. Just oh. I'm too stupid to do it. Uh, anyways, let's go ahead and move on to mine, and I'm going to talk about Mozilla because of course I am. When don't I like, like like Steve talks about zero Linux all the time because he's the maintainer he's, he's got his 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 topic and Josh talks about Gen two and I'm the Mozilla guy apparently because I'm like seems like every other week I talk you're about the Mozilla. Zilla guy you're the yeah, Zilla guy okay I, 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 it's I, fine it's fantastic so I'm gonna show you this inside of Vivaldi uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Mozilla has this so we heard back in December that they're going to set up their own Mastodon instance and I think we talked we may have talked about it on the podcast I don't even remember um it didn't seem like that big of a deal because I mean like everybody's setting up their own Mastodon instance and you know whatever but Vivaldi did yeah 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 Vivaldi did you know a lot of corporations are doing it and it's fine it's the new hotness thing to do um but then I was reading this article on The Verge, and it seems that Mozilla has higher uh, aims than just setting up a, a Mastodon server. They're actually thinking that they're going to try to solve the problems of the internet. From, based on the way this article's written, I'm not sure if they're actually, you know, if this is just, you know, spin or whatever, but... Apparently they want to start, you know, really moderating their instance and making sure that it's all, you know, nice people being nice to each other. And it's going to be a utopia of, you know, no assholes anywhere, you know, and it's just Mozilla. First of all, if it helps, I did sign up for an account. Did you? I can't even begin to tell you, Mozilla, how impossible it is for you not to have assholes on your uh, i mean i mean josh just joined <laughs> <laughs> I, don't... I mean so far the only rule that i've seen is don't harass other people well, which, which I, is I, fine no, because no, uh, no it it's also it's part of their rules that you can't spread misinformation or disinformation yep which who does to decide what information and disinformation is yeah, also, I you're mean, going to be, be relying on what I'm assuming are going to be volunteer moderators. I mean, are they actually going to be spending money on moderators? I mean, we'll find out. And if they are spending money on moderators, <laughs> also, like, see, this is what I don't understand. Like, this is exactly why, like, or this is like, this is this seems like the exact same story that happened with Bud Light. Like they just literally had no idea who their target audience was. And uh, I thought, like, correct me if I'm wrong, because maybe I'm just like completely stupid, but isn't Mozilla a company that's for a free and open internet? Yeah. Yeah. Supposedly. So, <laughs> like, what just 
just to make sure I'm not completely delusional here, uh, if you censor and ban people from speaking, well, wouldn't that the, be not free? And there, open? there's a third tenant to Mozilla now, because uh, what they 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 are for a free and open internet, but they're also for a free and open and safe internet. Oh, by adding safe makes it all okay, right? Yep. <laughs> Wait, but see that that doesn't safe, even make safe, sense. You, you have to censor. <laughs> no, but the main reason why Mozilla is setting up this Mastodon instance is because Mozilla got a lot of harassment off of Mastodon one day and wound up closing their, closing yeah, their account. Because the, that yeah. had something to do with a police yeah. officer now, that they hired for something. No, of course. Or... Of course. The, you, you got two kinds of Mastodon instances. You have the free speech extremist ones. Uh, I think there's actually one called free speech extremist that's banned on, up from basically like all the other ones that does no moderation whatsoever. Because that's the true internet. And then you got the other ones where they're they're super heavy handed. Mozilla wants to be the one in the middle. Yeah, it sounds more like they wanted to be super heavy handed, but uh, oh, wait, they want to on. be in the middle. So you they want to be in the middle? Honestly, though, honestly, though, what Mozilla just needs to do is they just need to spin up this mass on uh, instance and then just turn off Federation. Well, well that's no, the only no, way they're no, going to be as successful in this I mean, endeavor. You're you're you are right, but see what perplexes me about this is this is a company that we constantly talk about not being able to like appropriately like um manage their money their resources <laughs> yeah and uh so they're essentially going to spend manpower and resources yeah. moderating essentially a discord server yeah yeah, a, a whole a whole social network of their own. Okay, so massive Discord server. Here's the here's the thing no, no. about. Go ahead, Steve. They're gonna do it like uh, like uh, I'm I'm too scared that they might do it like, and start only putting uh, leaving in the stuff that are pro Mozilla and remove censoring everything that's against Mozilla. And yeah. Oh, that is like that is going to be the least of the censoring that yeah. goes on. Well. Okay, when first, so there's many aspects of this that bother me. Some of it is that they're going to be relying on moderators who then have the power to decide what is and isn't misinformation, which is, I mean, that depends on their knowledge. I mean, it's possible that you could say something that's absolutely true. They have no idea about it, so that they they then they you know delete your stuff because they think it's false. But that's all beside the point. My biggest problem with this, and it's the biggest problem that I always have with Mozilla, exactly like what Ta Tyler says, is they get. This company does make some money, okay? They do make some money. They also bring in an extraordinarily large amount of money from Google, okay? But every single project that Mozilla does, every single one of them up until now has either had two purposes. One, preserving information in an open source fashion, so, or taking on projects that they think should be open source. Things like, uh, you know, AI, uh, they did that uh, the the voice one the like the voice recognition one things that they want to have that were created as a proprietary thing and then they made an open source version of it so they've done that that's always a good thing you know whether or not you think they should be in the metaverse or whatever you know they have an open source metaverse right mm -hmm. the other thing that they always, the other type of project they always do is something that will try to bring in revenue of some kind something to uh, bridge the gap to try to get them less dependent on Google's money right that those are the two types of projects they have. And then there's this. 
This does neither of those things because uh, Macedon already open source. It's already federated. It couldn't possibly get any more open if they tried. Um, so it, it's not in that camp. And um, where's the money? I mean, there, there's they they're not making money on this. This no, is well, this, they, well, just, they, just, they just want to They just want to create a. Uh, uh, a, c a community where they have more control over okay. creating a uh, community is fine. If, if if they came on and said that like, this is just this is a Mozilla community where people who are interested in the Mozilla project projects can be a part of and stuff like that, that's fine. And I I would be behind that. Like every they probably have a Discord server or a, a IRC or something like that that you can take part of. That would, would just be another version of that, right? But that's not what the like the Verge article and the way the the quotes and stuff make it sound. It more sounds like they have like actual like mission statement behind this of, you know, bettering the web and making a safe space for all the internet. Oh, oh so yeah, like yeah. That, right? well, this hold is, on, this hold is on. this is. I this is how to be honest, I don't think I. I think y'all are giving. Mozilla as a company a little bit too much credit here to me what this reads like and what this sounds like is this was some uh team lead who like they're like they were getting moved to a different position possibly going to be pushed out of the company they needed something that they could pitch to upper management so that you know they could keep a job and make it seem like they were useful and deserved a paycheck and so they came up with this brilliant idea. Just to think, somewhere inside of Mozilla headquarters, there's a group of at least five people that are the Mastodon team. <laughs> they run the Mastodon. Yeah. And, like, there's five. Oh, man. Um, the, the, there's, just, there's five Discord mods. Said, as a moderator of a Mastodon instance, I, I do see a lot of people joining Mozilla.social and then just constantly flooding all the other instances with bug reports because a lot of the issues that we deal with uh, on a star star that's the one that i'm in uh a lot of the times we're we uh we deal with uh, bug reports we can't do anything about because that user's on another instance and, they, and they've been federated in with us so the only thing we can do is forward forward the report to the other instance which most of the time does absolutely nothing well the, when they first announced the whole that they were going to create a Mastodon instance, I actually thought it was a good idea because one of the biggest problems that Mastodon instances have is being able to support an infrastructure for a lot of people. And Mozilla has yeah. a lots of money. So they can, they can, they can easily have, you know, uh, many, many servers spend thousands of thousands of dollars each month or whatever to run this instance and support a very large number of people. Uh, and it, in theory, what they could do is pull some of the things, some of the people away from from Mastodon.social, which is the gigantic instance out there, and have it be a little bit more federated, so it's at least more people on different instances. That's the that's the the that that's the you know like the best case scenario of what what this was. But when I when I read well, what they what they're doing, it just it feels more like a pie in the sky waste of money because they're gonna, like they're, oh, they're going to spend so much money on moderation. So like, like sure, it needs to be moderated, but that's what you have volunteers for. You know what I mean? And maybe they are going to well, use mean, volunteers. I don't know. Like I mean, for being honest, this the I it's 
it's going to be really hard for anyone to convince me that this is not just an excuse for someone to maintain a job when they shouldn't. Like, uh-huh. I cannot imagine, like, can you imagine earning a salary being a Discord mod? Like, I'm not saying moder- like mod- like moderating a large server is not, you know, a task, but a 40-hour... A well, week? It, it's like, not. It's I mean, not, depending it, on how big the instance gets, it you might actually be well, wanting pay, be paying the moderator. Look, look, look at look at the Vivaldi instance. Yeah, but look at the Vivaldi instance. It's it's full of Vivaldi is great. Vivaldi is awesome. Vivaldi is the best. Uh, well, I mean, you wouldn't the, join the you, you wouldn't join the Vivaldi instance if you didn't like Vivaldi. I mean, you're you're not gonna be like no, the I, biggest I, I, Firefox shill, and it's like, yeah, the the Valdi instance no, is definitely what I wanted. No, I joined it. No, I I joined it, but uh, I I out of curiosity. Now now I don't even use that uh, well, thing. I, I just, here, because here, I can still connect to it via the the, well, the foster. My question then is: Is it because they're taking away the criticisms of Valdi, or is it just because the people on there happen to be fanboys? They're fanboys. All right. Well, this, this, this fanboyism, this fanboys, uh, fanboyism is non-constructive. Well, and you, whenever you, you can and say my that... problem is, whenever you tweet a toot at uh, at Vivaldi, they're like not useful. Their answers are not useful. They're bot style uh, responses. So you're not in contact with real people. Uh, I haven't even hooked up Chat GPT four. Lazy POSs. Yeah, <laughs> but right. it's it's too much of a fanboyism, and I don't see the use for this because the way the way I I see it in my head, Mozilla will be doing exactly the same thing as Vivaldi. Fanboyism. You talk to you talk to them, you get bot replies. Yeah, it'd be, it. it'd be interesting to see if that happens. I think that it's more likely to be bigger than the Vivaldi one. I think you're just getting such a small yeah, sample Mozilla size. Yeah, bigger. Yeah, a small sample size in the Vivaldi one. I think it's more going to be like the Fostodon one, where, like, Fostodon's full of Linux fanboys because of course it is, right? <laughs> I mean, you don't see a lot of Microsoft shills on the Fostodon instance, um, but it, it, it's a big enough instance where other conversations can happen, and, and that's probably where the Mozilla one will happen too. Um, my question always is, like, is this something that Mozilla should be focusing so much effort on? No. Given the fact I that their browsers so. subpar, you know, no, I don't think so. But you have to, uh, and you, I see, I see things like I see a lot of people loving Mozilla and preferring Firefox to be the default browser on every distro under the sun. Uh, but those same people, they criticize to no end Mozilla. Well, I use so Firefox like, every day on many of my VMs and my, on my main machine, um, and I think it's a serviceable browser. But what I would challenge any of you guys to tell me is what the what is the last user facing feature like, and not like an underlying technology or whatever, but the last user facing feature that Mozilla brought out to Firefox that was actually good. Uh, it's they, been a they, while. they made the tabs a little bit more squared and uh, oh, rounded. Is, is it the tab ex- sync across devices? Is is it the ex- they've had tab sync across devices for yeah, tab 10 sync years. across devices? That was like well, years now ago. it's prevalent. It's always been prevalent. 
Yeah, it's always been somewhat prevalent, but now it's super prevalent. And I, yeah, I, but like you yeah. can't even use that in their defense. So that's like they did that a long time ago. It's not yeah. their fault. No one started I, using probably it. Probably just proved my point that that was a long time ago. The last one that the last feature I know that they for sure brought out that was a user facing feature that everybody absolutely hated was the extensions menu. And yeah. I actually don't hate the extensions. Menu. I I despise it with a passion, but whatever. We don't need to get into that. Anyways, let's go ahead. I and even use Pocket, so. Well, I, oh. I I use Pocket too, but not in what? Firefox. I use it as a standalone app on my phone. Um, hold on, hold on. We can't move on for that. He can't just walk in here and drop a bomb like that. And just walk. What are you doing using Pocket? Uh, it it's a button that comes with my browser, and I don't have to install anything else. I thought we had all agreed. That pocket was something that Mozilla did that is a meh at idea at best, and we weren't going to reward Wait, it. First of all, you. they bought pocket. Second of all, when they bought pocket, their number one process was a promise was eventually to make it open source. It's still not open source. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But also, who wants pocket to be open? To, like, who cares? Like, well, I, I don't, I, I, I use it so little. Well, the funny thing is, after Mozilla bought Pocket, Reader Mode became a thing on web browsers. <laughs> oh, that is. <laughs> Which that was that's what Pocket basically is. I didn't even uh, think of it. That's so true. Well, they yep. have, and, and the big, the big service now is Read Later, Read for Later, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, that's the one that most people use. Most people don't use I mean, you, Pocket. Used to be the thing, but now it's no longer a thing because once Mozilla touches something. Um, it no longer can be the thing. Anyways, let's move on to the contact information before we uh, ju jump into some more news. Uh, you can get in contact with us in any number of ways. The best way is probably to head on over to the website, which is linuxcast.org. There you'll find previous uh, episodes all the way back to season one, and you'll find blog posts there that I post every single week. All my blog posts are fantastic. You should definitely go read them. Leave a comment because I do have comments on my website. Unfortunately, you do require a GitHub account in order to leave one, so I'm sorry about that. Um, I really wish the the developer behind uh, utterances would actually make it so that you could use GitLab as well, but apparently GitLab does not have the feature that utter the uh, the comment section relies on, so that's sad. Uh, anyways, the linuxcast.org is where you find all that stuff. Uh, Tyler is on the YouTube, uh, and he's actually doing things uh, on the YouTube. He has streams and he has videos, mostly game development, which is awesome. So head on over there. He's a uh, youtube.com slash zanyog. Uh, Steve is also on the YouTube. He's a uh, uh, youtube.com slash at uh, zero Linux, zero with an X, not a Z. Uh, you can find all of his other stuff on our website as well, so you can get all those other links. Uh, Josh is also on the inter interweb someplace at uh, tenleyj.com slash stalker. You can find all of his contact information there. And you can contact the, uh, all of us via email, email at the linuxcast.org. And uh, I'm sure, oh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the linuxcast. And then um, subscribe. Yeah, to I have the a challenge for everybody that's in chat right now. Uh, and if you're listening in later on, on the podcast, uh, just verify that all of our contact information works. Click on all the links and send us all poop emojis, please. <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> we, we just need to make sure that it works because we don't receive a lot of feedback and we want to make our show better we get emails every single week I, I'm glad that we get emails every single week but you, I only ever see the ones that you share with us that's true because I'm very I, I hoard <laughs> things 
Um, anyways, you can find all of this stuff at linuxcast.org slash contact. Uh, subscribe to Linuxcast at, Linux, at youtube.com slash linuxcast. Thanks to everybody who does that. We do record this live every Saturday around 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. So if you want to watch us live, head on over to the Linuxcast channel on YouTube and uh, hit subscribe and hit the bell notification so you can get notified when we do go live. Uh, you can also find out about our live shows and stuff like that if you join our Discord server. Those are links, again, on the website if you want to find those. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to... One second. Hold on One a second. second. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but uh, I just got informed that you know 44 just landed on Arch. <laughs> yep. Breaking news. Um, I have never found Gen Two released. It. I have never found a piece of breaking news that I cared about less than that right there. <laughs> uh, it had nothing to do with you, Steve. I just, you know, I'm sucks. Um, As a distro maintainer, I uh, I had to to to, to say that. I'm not day zero G. Good thing you think you're releasing the new ISO look, for it. Look, boys, do not let Matt deceive you here. Okay. It, not this it again. Not, it's not <laughs> just that Gnome is meh. He's not interested. He's a Gen 2 guy now. I'm, it's all First of all, I'm no longer a Gen 2 guy. I failed what? that challenge. Second of all, I'm still not a Gnome guy no matter what Tyler says. Dude, you just are. Like now, I, mean, like, I might be using KDE right now, but I still have a lot of Gnome applications installed. Like, look, Matt and Josh are trying to convince us they're not using Gen 2. Like, but trust me, if you see a recording of their desktop and it doesn't look like Gen 2, that's because it's in a VM inside of their beautiful Gen 2 install. They absolutely refuse to leave. Like, hey, Josh thinks it. by showing us the stuff, like his NeoFetch, that that's going to prove to us anything. Yeah, uh, this is inside yeah. of a VM. We all know it. It's all good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Like, you realize how easy it is to fake a neofetch? Like, all you gotta do is type in the information and have it echo it. Fine. Well, are you, <laughs> Not that are I've you ever saying, done this. <laughs> hang on a second here. Hang on. Are, are you saying I just need to count out the Etsy OS release then? I still... I still no, because that will be faked. Like, we, we know you, Josh. This yeah. is a VM. Oh, it is a VM? Okay. Okay, just, yeah. just wanted to check. Uh, all right, yes. all yeah. right. Let's go ahead, guys. Seriously, let's. Damn you, Steve, for getting us off topic, and you're getting known bullshit. <laughs> all right, uh, Steve. Speaking of Steve, why don't you tell us what your second link of the week was? Steve, Steve, Steve. I don't have any links, so oh, that's right. I he doesn't just have. Landed, so. He doesn't have have links. It's I fine think. because. Uh... Uh, Josh, I'll, you do I'll it. take it here. <laughs> so, if you're a big if you're a big Unix hero, you believe in the Unix philosophy and believe that you should pipe all of your commands together to make one giant command that does everything. Well, Linux 6.4 made your pipes 10 to 23% faster. Or no, 10 to 23 times faster. <laughs> so, it, it's it's a it seems like a minor improvement. However, the Linux kernel has a lot of pipes in, in, involved in it. So overall, this is actually a big import performance improvement for your system as a whole. Uh, wait, hold on. Can we just can we just stop there for a second? I believe a tw uh, a potential of up to a twenty three times yes multiplier yes in performance on anything is going to be a noticeable improvement. Is okay. it though? Yeah. 
Like, I, I mean, I, I so. suppose, I suppose, if you add them all up, given the fact that the Linux kernel has a whole bunch of pipes in it, as Josh so eloquently put, there's a lot of pipe in it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I got up at four o'clock this morning, had to watch someone put on a hat. I can't help it. I'm silly as shit. Um, uh, anyway, well, I mean, you, guys, you guys didn't know that's where the term laying pipe comes from. from <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm just th th thought experiment. If you have a whole bunch of pipes, the more pipes you have, the more time you're going to save. So um, that's when it's going to become more noticeable if, in that situation. If you just pipe something into grep, you're not going to notice. Right? Uh, you're not really going to notice because pipes pipes in general are a function of, of your shell, which most shells are... Well, the one, the most popular one being Bash or ZSH, but uh, I'm talking like down to like the system, the core system shell, which is well refined and relatively fast as it is. It's when you chain a bunch of pipes together, which so you're uh, not supposed to do, by the way. Well, you're not supposed to do it in a shell scripting sense, but if you're using Xorg, there's this is where you get to see the benefit because the Xorg toolchain just to launch DWM. Involves a series of 213 pipes. Well, no, ho hold on. Hold on. Because we're going off on the weeds here for a second, but I think we do have to address it. Um, look, that is a scenario that doesn't count and shouldn't be brought up, and here's why. Um, if, if the only use case where the performance is, especially in user land, uh, relevant is something that's poorly implemented from the get-go and should have been redesigned 20 years ago doesn't count. No, I, I think Josh is saying that that's pretty much the behavior across the board in a lot of situations. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if Terminal for Life was here, he'd explain to us why piping into a pipe is bad practice, but maybe that is just for, sh for sh scripting. But it seems like the same... Um, the same rules would apply for everything that you're you're spawning subshells over and over again every time you do that, which is why it actually costs you resources when you do that. Maybe that's what they fixed, you know. Maybe they make that less punitive uh, because you you keep spawning subshells. See, TFL thought he never thought taught me anything. He taught me that. <laughs> like I remember that. <laughs> Don't ask me to write a bash script, but I remember that part. Um, Anyway. I'm still waiting for to get permission from him, uh, saying that I can upload his entire channel to appear to Vincent. Yeah, because I've got his entire channel on my server. I don't think he'll let you, but I hope he does because I like to go watch some of his old videos. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, it's in, it's interesting that they still that they um, made this faster. Um, I would want. Either way, they made a function faster, which means that everything's going to be faster, even if we don't really even notice it ourselves. Yeah. It's like, like the difference between... Veronix, get on it, man. I want you to uh -huh. benchmark Linux after this change well, and tell us, show us how much faster well, it is. Well, actually, if you read the article, the, the guy that wrote the patch did benchmark it for us. But that was just one, yeah. that was just one function, right? Not the whole system? It was, 120, it was 128 pipes that does 256 rounds of reading and writing. Mm. Okay. And, and it was run 10 times. Run ten times and averaged out, and so 
the average before the patch, 262 milliseconds. And then after um, the patch, 24. <laughs> yeah, 24. If you go down, uh, there's there's another test uh, average 200 pretty much 250 milliseconds after 10.86 milliseconds <laughs> like it's a pretty damn big improvement like, that's yep. cool all right uh tyler i think you're you got the second next one yes um so mine is uh about risk 5 because uh, I guess I'm slowly turning into a Risk Five fanboy, even though I don't have any Risk Five hardware and I'm not looking to get any, but I'm interested in it. But um, yeah, so a a big thing about Risk Five has just been there's there's features that it just lacks at a hardware software level. Um, integration wise and finally we've got hibernation and uh, suspended disk support which about freaking time let's, why do uh, people like hibernation let's I just pa- let's just pause for a second and explain that it's great that they have this feature but linux does hibernation and suspended disk in a in just crappily across the board so don't hold your breath well, on this being very good <laughs> uh yes but even even crappy hibernation True. is better than none, none when it all. comes yeah. to a laptop or like a battery powered scenario. Laptop okay, but I'm talking about when people like I have a user on my server like today he was messing out messing with uh, something called e states and whatever, and he wanted to get hibernation to work on on Linux very well. Well, I'm like. You have a desktop. Why do you need to hibernate your desktop? It's not like it's running off of a battery now, is it? Well, so, there would... there could be a lot of reasons for it. Uh, one reason is um, for hyper when you do hibernate your PC because because of just the way the well computer functions. Uh, there's less power running through the CPU, so. Well, there's effectively no power running through the CPU because well, everything yeah. is just saved to the disk. So yeah. There's no need for CPU to do anything. So effectively, the, zero. Yeah. there's still some. But so there's less wear and tear on your actual hardware. Um, and also, but you, got, but you got the other people on the other side who leave their computers uh, uh, turned on 24 7, 365 days a year. Yeah. I mean, well, again, I, we're not talking about. So I do that with this computer here, but I just have the monitors go to sleep, okay? And we've we've talked about monitor the monitor going to sleep problems many many times in the past, right? Uh, the the computer that sits behind me, that one's in hibernate mode. It's it's hibernating right now, and that's because I don't want it to be on all the time. But I want to be able to. I don't. Every time I decide I want to go stand well, at the I, standing desk for a few minutes, I don't want to have to wait for it to turn on. So there's wait 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 wait. wait, wait. There is plenty I've of reason. Like I've done hibernation before, and waking it up from hibernation takes almost as long as turning it on from no, desktop. Not just not get a faster mind. drive. Yeah, you need a faster yeah, drive. Yeah, it, it is depend. It, it is suspend. It is suspend the disk right and suspend the RAM. So it so the wake up time for your hibernation is dependent on the speed of your storage drive. If I if so I if you're uh... using, so if you're using a hard disk, then yes, it will probably take a while. All I gotta do is go over there, hit hit the space bar, and it turns on in the matter of like three seconds. 
You know, it, it, but, so like, I've never had that happen. Back to the main <laughs> point, there is a lot. There's a lot of reasons that someone would choose to do it, and like two, all two big ones that we also didn't cover is is also uh, just sheer power. You can, depending on how beefed up your computer is, putting into hibernate mode could actually save you like two or three like light bulbs worth of electricity just constantly being on, and on top of that there is also people who are on more off-grid setups or generator setups. And in that case, hibernation is pretty lit because, you know, the battery lasts longer. You, 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 you knew how to phrase, uh, how to phrase that because you, you knew my situation. Uh, well, anyway, I mean, we, we did kind but, of meander from the topic, but so it is nice that risk five is finally getting this. And I think what the, the best part about it isn't even that the features have come is that the fact that they're continually adding support in the Linux kernel. I guess these features faster than Raspberry Pi ever did. Well, yeah, part of that yeah. is because of the more o- because of the more open nature of the CPU architecture. Linux, of course, is going to support it better more than the closed source nature of the CPU and the Pi, right? Um, but so, uh, you yeah. have to wait. When you said when you said that the hibernation is craftastic on Linux, but right, can you can you say the same about uh, about the Steam Deck? Because it's got the best hibernation ever on Linux. Well, well, there's okay. some kind of magic actually, sauce there, dude. Um, well, no, no, actually they don't, because as far as I know, uh, someone can correct me if they want to do their own testing, but um, the battery life is actually better on windows with the exact same settings comparatively. And that is only because Linux does not do power management as good as windows does. Sadly. Well, the now, the battery so, life on the steam deck is shite. Anyways, it's bad. Well, yes. And also so, the as far as I know, it's about as good as the switches, which, you know, switch isn't anything <laughs> impressive. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, 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 it is, you don't, much. you don't buy the thing for, and have like a full PC in your hand, expect it to have fantastic battery life. And if you did buy that, expecting that you're you were a fool. Um, okay, oh, okay, okay. I, I'm gonna contradict you. Uh, I'm gonna contradict you, Matt. I've had the Steam Deck with me since I uh, since I went to uh, on my travels. Ten days, right? It's been hum- hibernating for ten days. Didn't touch it. It stayed in my suitcase all ten days. I'll tell you what the battery life is. Is it going uh, to turn on? Yeah. I'm, that that's actually surprising. Oh. Cause I'm pretty sure. My, of course, mine gets. Left it doesn't right. look like it's turning. Oh, there, there we go. It is turned on. Okay. All right. Okay. I just does it have enough battery to to uh, get to a display that tells you the battery? Oh yeah. Uh, I will show you ten days because I turned it on before I uh, before I came here. Uh, the battery. Why? Why is it showing now? Hey, don't show the curtain. Out. Oh, it's... oh well, my God! You made you made me flinch there. <laughs> I, I that thing went completely out of frame for like like one or two frames. I thought I thought that thing had hit the floor. I was like, Oh God! Here we go. All right. Guys, we seriously so got to end this podcast. The battery is the battery is. There's ninety six percent. Nice. And we were complaining about it. Mine doesn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> 10 days. No. It was sitting in the in the box for 10 days. Mine mine has been sitting over there for 3 days. It's already dead. Um anyways, guys, we got to move on. 
Um, we have one more left to go. Debian's apt uh, 2.7 packaging tool has begun rolling out a snapshot support. So basically what this is, is that as far as I can understand, I got to remember there's like, what, 200 words maybe in this entire article. So there's not a lot of detail. And even if you click on the merge request, there's not a lot there. Um, they're at, they just want to add dash dash snapshot and dash dash update support to apt. Now, this is apt, the broader sense of app, not just apt get, as far as I can tell. There, there was, Josh, you know everything. This apt and apt get are two separate things, right? Uh, they're, they're both actually relatively the same product. Apt does call into apt get, which uh, apt get does sometimes seem to call into aptitude. Uh, the, the project in the scope is referred to as apt okay. uh, in total because it is the primary package manager or the primary front end to depackage. I always get confused because they have three different names for it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I, like if you have three different names or something, you assume that there's some differences. Um, but anyways, there, the snapshot tool from what the brief, I mean, very, very brief thing that the Pharonix thing talks about is basically what it's going to allow you to do is save the packages that you're installing. Not the actual packages, but I'm assuming it's the packages packaging name. Uh, it's the mirror it's the mirror snapshot that you get when you run apt update. So it's basically the database. Yeah. Not the actual package itself. And, and they're gonna save that so that you can, at least in theory, revert back and using update to go back to certain packages and stuff. Um it, it's interesting because some obviously the idea behind snapshots is one that we've talked about before on the, on the podcast, you know, with ButterFS and ZFS and stuff like that. Um, it's Have we ever seen a package manager actually build in its own snapshotting system before? I don't think so. Uh, I know on Gen 2, you can install older versions of packages, so you, so you can roll back packages. Well, I mean, you, you, you Arch can, Linux, you can as well. You can use downgrade on... Like, yeah. Why would you bring uh, up Gen two? Gen two makes the whole conversation irrelevant. It's like uh, trying to compare Earth to heaven. It's well, like, of course, of course. Most package but, uh, most package managers have the ability to downgrade. They also, and some of them have the ability to install old versions. Yeah, so like if you want to install old versions of Flatpak, you can. The thing is, I don't believe that once you ran an apt update, you could no longer down downgrade a package. Maybe that's what this is. Is just a, a way to go backwards. Yeah. And I, I might be wrong on that, but uh, I think that's what this is. Yeah, like I said, it's surprisingly how little data there's actually is about what they're actually talking about here. Because even if, like I said, if you go to the merge request, the the merge request itself is um, uh, this, this adds this feature and this feature, and then it's just commit logs after that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, it. that's literally what I did. I went to check it out, and I'm like, oh, well, this explained absolutely nothing. nothing. Um, where where Phronics even got they had to have looked at the code in order to get the the information that they did have um so yeah apt is adding something this is going to be in come from debian first so it'll be interesting to see what this actually does when they you know it's great when debian introduces a new feature and ubuntu doesn't have to introduce it for them yeah and then usually it is <laughs> upstream yeah um and anyways it, it'd be interesting because they're calling them snapshots not downgrades is what what caught my attention because Snapshots, snapshots like it, 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 isn't it like uh, the snapshots that you add for ButterFS? No, it's not. It's not like that at it's, all. It's 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 just going to be for packages, not files and directories. But it's going to be like Josh said, it's going oh. to be the database. So it makes you think it's more like downgrades than it is like a snapshot. But they're calling it snapshots, which is why it's like, confusing. Like, I mean, it does make the sense. way the. It is the, a way, the way it's being mentioned is like to me. It makes me think about 
keeping a permanent cache of all previous versions of the which well, does. I mean, that's and I think app does too. Apt creates a cache of stuff, but I don't think it's I don't think it's the same. It's just literally going to be a list of the of the user installed yeah, it's just, packages. It's just a repository list. That's all it is. Just yeah. keep. But it, it's it like, it, it, what it, it's like. DPKG, not DPKG. What is the um, what is the Debian? It might be DPKG dash dash list or something like that that lists out all yeah, of yeah. the yeah. packages that you have on site. That's it's basically going to be that, I guess. Um, first of all, you guys should be very impressed the fact that I haven't used Debian in probably a year and a half to do anything, and I remember DPKG dash dash list. Um, probably doesn't even exist. I'm just making it up. Um, anyways, well, it, it's literally just a snapshot of the database that you pull in whenever you run like an apt update. The update command will will go go in. It'll index the mirrors and pull pull in the latest greatest package listing. That is the listing of the available packages from that from the mirror. Well, all this except all for, this is just it is just a way to snapshot that listing. Well, no, it's gonna be a snapshot of what's on your system, not of the repository. So you could go. I think right. I don't think. I think I think it, you got a, it wrong there. It would make it doesn't a, mention anything like that. It'd make a hell of a lot more sense to have it as a thing on your list, other than the. Why? Why would you want a uh, backup of the repository in, in total? That wouldn't do you any good at all. Well, no, but the repository does does actually hold older versions of packages. Right, but the reason why the only way the word snapshot makes sense is if it's the if it's making a list of the the packages you have installed on your system and the versions, and then to, could take you back to the previous versions of the previous list. Right, that's the only way that the word snapshots makes sense. At least to me, I'm. Who the oh, hell we got Alex in the chat. He's sit, he's sit, he's sitting there explaining it to us right now. He is a Debian developer. There's a snap package, and uh, he says that that makes it easier to install a package from a certain date. Which it's actually, in, in order to do that, you need the package listing. I don't know. Uh, more information would have been nice in the actual merge request there, Alex. If you if you want to go talk to some of your buddies. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, that's it for the news. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to really quickly, guys, really fucking quickly. Thingies of the week. Josh, your thingy of the week. Uh, it's called PlasmaTube. It's a KDE application for YouTube. Done. Excellent. <laughs> you did a fantastic job, Josh. I think I'm going to do just as good. MX Master 3. It's a fantastic mouse. I, love I, want, it. I, I want one so bad. I want one so bad. It's 99 bucks. Track balls or bus, guys. 99 bucks. Yep. 99 bucks. Give me one. Get me one. Okay. Steve, you can't afford me another one. Steve, do you, do you have a thingy of the week? Me, I have a, uh, I, I do have a thing. Uh, sorry, uh, I, I do have a thingy, uh, a thingy of the week, and uh, I didn't post it in the thing because I just He's got reminded on the podcast at the last minute. But my, uh, my my thingy of the week is Google Maps. You're banned. Sorry, it's a <laughs> surprise to everyone. I it is honestly the best Google project right now. Yeah, it <laughs> has helped me so much in Serbia. You cannot imagine because, and and this, the fact that I didn't have I didn't have internet, I only had internet in the apartment in the Airbnb, but outside there I didn't buy a line. I didn't because I didn't want to spend money for temporary things. Yep. But the uh, GPS so worked, though. Hey, you. The the GPS is fantastic, except 
there's a caveat. Everything with, with Google, there always there's a but, big but. I like big butts, and I cannot like. Sorry, uh, 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 the uh, the big but is that you have to connect on wi op open the uh, location on Wi-Fi, click the link to the location on Wi-Fi, then disconnect from Wi-Fi. It's kind of weird, but what if, uh, like? I want to click a link when I am outside the house, for example. And uh, I remember the different link. I want to go to a different location. At this point, it's pointless because I don't have an internet connection on my phone to open a new link, a new location link to navigate to there. So, you, you would have been uh, dead in the water if you'd been back in the, the, the early 2000s where you actually had to download the package maps. <laughs> or the maps, the maps package. Well, I don't have. Well, I still have a collection of maps. Yeah, like you had well, to buy each shit. It was like buying an atlas. Yeah, you, you yeah, it's like the gas station. Or use yeah. an atlas or a map to find my family that was two miles away. I would live my life separated from my family. I would not know who they are. Are you trying to say you don't know how to use a map? Is what you're trying to say? No, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is I know how to use one. But I'm so terrible at navigating. It's like I, I, if it wasn't for my phone being able to tell me turn Which way left. left or right is <laughs> with the arrows, <laughs> he needs the arrows. <laughs> I'm so bad. All right, so uh, bad. no, no. But Google Maps is amazing. It has helped me so much. It's it's a lifesaver. I tried Apple Maps because I'm an iPhone user. I tried Apple Maps. Shit. For some reason, it tells me to go right when I need to go left. I don't know. Makes kind sense. All right. So it also tells me I need to drive through a desert to get to work. <laughs> yeah. There, there's no desert within a thousand miles. I, I'm pretty sure there's not a, a desert in Ohio. I mean, I've been nope. to Ohio a few times. Um, <laughs> I mean, not really the, the driest through. state in the world. I mean, right. unless they're talking about that vast field between Lima and Toledo. <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely talking about Dude, Sandusky. What's okay. wrong? I'm trying to buy a game. What's wrong? I, it's not loaded. I don't have time to deal with your nonsense, Steve. I gotta do mine, then I gotta go. Alright, anyways, um mine is interesting given the fact that I how absolutely opposed to AI I was last week. So mine is Whisper AI. Um, oh, are we going to have transcripts what? for the podcast now? We have trans we will have transcripts for the podcast. My previous two videos have closed captions from Whisper embedded in them. And it's pretty damn good. Now, it, I, I, all, you download it, you feed it uh, an audio file from, and it uses FFmpeg to read the the language and everything. And then it sits there for like twenty or thirty minutes, and it does the translation into actual text, but it also embeds the timestamps into it and everything, so you can upload the entire VTT file like to YouTube if you wanted to. Um, and depending on what language model you use, the more CPU power it's going to take. So I use the medium uh, language model, and it does a pretty good job. It does not like the word Gen 2, by the way. Uh, it spells it Gen and then the number 2. I had to fix that. <laughs> but but um, other than that, it does a pretty damn good job. I, and uh, I haven't tried the large language model or the, the extra large language model. I'm assuming those would probably set my computer on fire, given the fact that the medium one takes like 80% CPU uh, performance like it just it's craziness um 
I wish, kind of wish that they'd let you offset some of that to like the GPU. That'd be pretty sweet. Um, the on, and if you have like a video in like another language, you can use Whisper to translate it from that other language to English with to a trans to a transcript. That's pretty cool. Uh, it does not do the other way around. That'd be really, it'd be awesome if you take it from English and put it into like Spanish or something like that, because then I could put Spanish closed captions on my videos, but it doesn't do that as far as I'm aware. Um, I, mean, it's, I need to have my content like transcribed into Mandarin. <laughs> well, Mandarin I, I wasn't really thinking. I need, I need your next video to be transcribed into Latin for me, please. Pig Latin. Because I, I do need to brush up on my Latin. It's been a while. Definitely. Pig. I, I need to I need to, I need to brush up on my vault, uh, on on my uh, Klingon. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, anyways. Whisper. Whisper. Uh, it, the links will be in the, the show notes. It's really really cool. If you have any uh, need to translate audio into text, it's fantastic. Um, it's like the best and only good use of AI that I've ever found. So, um, there's that. Anyways, that's no, it. No, there's another you good news. No, I'm sorry, scripts. Steve. We've had this conversation. Someone had to go to Serbia last week. You missed it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, man. I really do have to go. Anyways, that's it for the podcast this week. If you guys want to support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash linuxcast, you can do so. Thanks to everybody who does support me on Patreon. You, uh, you guys are all absolutely fantastic. Without your support, the challenge will not be anywhere near where it is right now. So, thank you so very, very much for your support. Again, as I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We record this live, as I said earlier, every Saturday around 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Head on over to YouTube.com slash LinuxCast if you'd like to catch us live. We do have a fantastic time together. Uh, usually, I'm not this rushed at the end, but this today, that's got to go. Anyways, thanks for watching. Go. We'll see you next time.